Greetings, fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you're listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. This week on the podcast, we're going to be going through uh, the second of the two brand new precon decks from Kaldheim. So we have the white and blue deck this time. We did the elves last episode. We're going to do this one this episode, and we're going to do the same kind of format. We're going to go through the commander, the ramp package, the card draw, how it removes things, what its main fo- like its main focus of the deck is, and then we're going to go through what our budget upgrades for this one is. I think we set ourselves about a $20 goal in this one, Paul. Um, we didn't have a goal set in particular, but since it happens to fall into that category anyway, uh, yeah, sure. 20 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, for 40 bucks, you could pick up, uh, you'll, you'll be able to pick up the deck and then pick up all these cards we suggest for you. And it will kind of just refocus the deck into where we think we wanted it to go and kind of where Wizards may, may have wanted it to go, but had to add some of these like unoptimized routes to those places. So we kind of just brought it all back in and it's a real fun deck and I, I love it. But before we do that, we have our upkeep trigger to deal with and we have to talk about our play of the week. Paul, any magic this week? Um, no. <laughs> You're letting me down, man. <laughs> like, my feelings get hurt every week when I'm like, Paul, please give me something amazing that you've played. Look, man, a mouse broke into my home. I've been trying to find it. It's been driving me crazy. I've got traps all over the place. Humane traps. Don't worry, everybody. Have you hired Christopher Walken yet to come through? I'm so happy you know that movie. Yeah, man, Mousetrap. I love that movie. <laughs> Mouse. Well, is that what it was called in Australia? It was Mouse Hunt. Uh, uh, it might have been Mouse Hunt, sorry. Mousetrap was the board game. Yes, sorry. okay. All right. Well, because oh, I know man. Australia renames stuff sometimes for, you know, like yeah, we do. reasons. Yeah, we do. And unfortunately, I can't help it, but I'll be like, oh, this, check out this movie. And they're like, what is that movie? Uh, I think one of them that I know, and it's, don't judge me for this, but, um... Is it thirty going on going on thirteen or something? The I think it was Jennifer thirteen Gardner. going on thirty, right? Yeah, the Jennifer Gardner like like rom com. Back home, that one's called Suddenly Thirty. <laughs> so again, don't judge me on how I know that. I grew up in a household with lots of sisters. So anyway, we're well, gonna move on from that. <laughs> I, I was actually just gonna say I know um, I don't know if this has come up on the podcast before, but I know it's become between me and you. But Dead Alive here was called something else in australia but i can't remember what it was dead or alive the video game no dead alive oh dead alive yeah party's <sighs> over oh man yeah i can't remember what it was called back home anymore i'd have to google that one and figure out what it was called anyway we're talking about magic <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not a movies podcast <laughs> yet maybe no we're not uh so i have played some magic lately um I got to bring out the Taser list again with a bunch of friends that I've been able to catch some games uh, with my friends back home in Australia. And that's been a lot of fun um, being able to catch up with them and get to hang out with them for a little bit, you know, even if it's just like one or two games every Friday night. But we have been doing that last uh, last two weeks. The first night I pulled, the first week, sorry, I pulled out Tulane and we all know how that deck goes. So the next time I pulled out Taser and I got to, I got to just go infinite by accident. Didn't even realize I was doing it until I'd already done it. <laughs> so I had a free sack outlet on the board uh, with Martyr's Cause. I had I had drawn a Revelark and then I had drawn into Karmic Guide, 
And then that was able to then just bring me back my ministrant of obligation to make me my one, one spirits to which I had a, uh, anointed procession on the field too. So I was making eight spirits with Taser out on the field. So it was just like every time I'd sack it and do the, do the, uh, the, the, the combo, uh, sorry. Yeah. Like the loop. I was making eight one one black and white spirit creature tokens with flying, and I was also making um, two treasure tokens every time as well. So I managed to go infinite with that, draw a couple of cards um, with Taser, and then, well, not with Taser, but like draw a couple of cards with um, uh, some spells that I had that drew me cards, and got into one of my drainers to then be able to finish the board off with drainers. And uh, it was really fun. Uh, everyone was worried that I had a huge X spell in my deck, which I don't play X spells in the deck, as you would all know from the fourth episode of this podcast series where we talked about that taser list. There are no X spells in the deck. I wasn't intending it to make infinite mana or infinite tokens. It was just there to like just drain the you know drain my opponents out. Um, I've never got to do that combo before in, in that list until now. And it was like, oh, this happens. Oh, and then that happens. Oh, and I can make this. Oh, and I can make that. It was like, oh my God, now I want to play this deck more often because this is so much fun. Yeah, moments like that, I always like to think of the song from Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, what's this? What's this? <laughs> Do you know the song uh, I'm talking about? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's this? What's this? The wet stuff on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 all, over, I'm all over Nightmare Before Christmas. Anyway, again, we're not a movie podcast, Paul. We're a magic podcast. So let's jump into our deck here. And this one, this deck is called Phantom Premonition. So that's what the wizards have decided to go with this one. And as I said, it is an Azorius build deck. We have our commander here. So we're going to move through to main phase one. We have all of our permanents untapped. We're ready to make some plays. And empty your mana pools. Yes, don't forget to empty your mana pools unless you're playing your lock. And then you're taking some damage. And I apologize for that. (laughs) We're going to read our commander here. We have... Uh, Raynar the Ever Watchful. He is two white and a blue for a uh, two three legendary creature spirit warrior who has flying vigilance and the first card you foretell each turn costs zero to foretell. Whenever you exile one or more cards from your hand and or permanence from the battlefield, create a one one white spirit creature token with flying. Um. So obviously the first part of this card depends a lot on foretell. Uh, which is a new mechanic that we've talked about from Kaldheim. Um, since it is going to come up, I guess I may as well explain what it is. Basically, you just you exile a card from your hand for uh, two mana, two generic mana, and you can cast it on a later turn for whatever its foretell cost is. Uh, yeah, that's it. That was thinking yeah, of a so we actually have. <laughs> Yeah, we actually have one coming up in the very first packet, which everyone knows is going to be our ramp packet. And I'll we'll, I'll read it when we get to it. Um, it's gonna be a very quick packet to get through because we all know how you know Oz- Um, yeah, or let's say Ozov, but it's Azorius. <laughs> how Azorius likes to ramp. Um, which I guess we can go into now, Paul. If you don't have anything else to say about the commander. Um, yeah, I was actually gonna talk about the second part of it, but um, I think I'll just talk about that at the end. Yeah. All right. So we're going to our ramp pack package here. We have eleven ramp spells. And that is huge. Like that is like that's massive for a precon. So we have uh, Arcane Signet, Azorius Signet, Burnished Heart, which I don't know if we have talked about this on the podcast before, but it is a three mana artifact for a two-two that has an activated ability of two and sacrifice Burnished Heart. Search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle your library. We have Commander Sphere, we have Core Cartographer, we have Marble Diamond, Stone Mindstone, 
almost said Stone Mountain then. We have Mindstone. <laughs> it's the two mana that taps for a colorless or one and a tap. You can sack it to draw a card. We have Replicating Ring from Kaldime. We did talk about that on our Kaldime set re- review episode. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that one. We have Sky Diamond, which came out... Oh, this is another reprint in Commander Legends, which is fantastic. We have a Soul Ring. Stamp... St- stample. Wow, I'm just <laughs> muddling up all my words today. Uh, it's the staple of the format. Everyone knows that card. Not going to read it again for the millionth time. We have Stoic Farmer. So this is the first one with Fertel that we're going to talk about here. It is three and a white for a 3-3 three, three creature dwarf peasant that says when Stoic Farmer enters the battlefield, search a library for up to... A, uh, sorry. Search a library for a basic planes card and reveal it. If an opponent controls more lands than you, put it under the battlefield tapped. Otherwise, you can put it to your hand then shuffle your library. It also has Fortel for one and a white. So during your turn, you may pay two generic and exile this card from your hand face down, cast it on a later turn for its foretell cost. So I was actually hesitant to put this one in ramp because for it to be ramp, you have, you have to, to be, behind. be behind, which is uh, just a very white thing as of late. Uh, well, actually, that's always been a white thing. Uh, but since most of the time in white, you will gener- generally be behind, this is going to be ramp, I would say, probably on average like 80 to 90% of the time. So I think it finds a nice little home here. Uh, you do have the option of casting it for four mana instead of foretelling it for two. Uh, however, the advantage of foretelling it is that you get to hold on to it until you are behind and then play it uh, at a cheaper mana cost. Also, if you are land screwed and you only have two lands, that's actually your only option is to just foretell this and then cast it later. Uh, yeah, so a nice little it's versatile a... card. Yeah, I was going to try and I was going to comment on its versatility there a little bit. Um it kind of helps you get away, like, if you can't get your third land drop, well, then this kind of helps you get your third land drop. Um, yeah, and, you know, even so, like, it, it'll it always guarantee a land drop. Whether it goes on the field or not, you're always going to get that land to your hand. Or you're going to have that land as a resource, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, and, and uh, keep that keep that trigger in mind when we go through this deck, because you'll notice there is a very heavy theme that we kind of pushed into it, and it's not foretell. Yeah, and uh, also worth noting that this is an ETB effect, so it is blinkable. If you have any sort of effects that do that, you can just repeat this over and over again to get lands. Yep, and I think that's it for ramp, so we can move on to how we draw cards in this deck, Paul. Sure. So we have 10 card draw spells. Um... And I'm just going to go through them pretty quickly and stop me if you have to say anything about one of them. Uh, but we have Behold the Universe, which is a brand new card from Kaldime. It is three and a blue for an instant that says scry two, then draw two with foretell for one and a blue. I'm going to say that is Behold the Multiverse. What did I say? Universe. There's mul- there's multiple verses here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. It is the multiverse. Man, I'm just I'm all over it today. Uh, we have Cloud Blazer who is three white and a blue for a 2-2 human scout with flying. When it ETBs, you draw two and gain two. We have another brand new card that is exclusive to this precon only, and that is Ethereal Valkyrie. It is four white and a blue for a 4-4 creature spirit angel with flying and says whenever Ethereal Valkyrie enters the battlefield or attacks, draw a card, then exile a card from your hand face down. It becomes foretold. Its foretold cost is its mana cost reduced by two. Yeah, this is the card that I started over earlier when I was talking about Renar. 
Uh, I, I almost slipped out and said that the Fortel cost is just its mana cost reduced by two, but that's not actually true because a lot of the Fortel cards, the ones that have it naturally, actually have a Fortel cost to pay. Um, this one just generically reduces it by two. And this has some unique applications with a lot of currently existing cards. Um, I will hesitate to talk about that for now. Uh, maybe at the end, if we have time, I'll, I'll go over a couple of those implications. But this card right here gets my vote, my personal vote for best card in the com both Commander Precons. Uh, but at the very least, it is definitely the best one in this deck. It's pretty close up there with Pact of the Serpent from the Elf deck. Those are, they're both really good. Yeah, I'd almost call this the MVP of this deck, too. This is just a, a fantastic, uh, like, foretell. Oh, it's, 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 I guess it's just like a really good, you know, um, Azorius just card in general, really. Mm -hmm. It can tuck you away want... uh, counter spells. It can tuck away expensive things that you just want to reduce the mana cost of. Um, I guess since I'm already talking about it, I may as well talk about those unique applications from before. And I'm, I'm not yeah, sure if it, it actually works this way, but uh, things that don't have a mana cost, so like Ancestral Vision, um, I can't remember what the white suspend card is that doesn't have a mana cost. Oh, it Restore Balance. That's, what, that's, that's the one. Um, I think if I'm reading this card correctly, you can cast it because it, it gets an alternate casting cost, which is its foretell cost. And historically, the way that works is that when you pick to you, when you choose to use an alternate casting cost, you can just cast that card, right? So like as foretold is an enchantment that lets you cast something without paying its mana cost, uh, which lets you cast things that don't have mana cost from your hand, even though you can't actually cast them. I think it works the same way with this. I'm hoping it does because that'd be pretty cool. That would be really cool, and I'm so glad that I pre-ordered these two decks and, and got them, because there is some, there's a lot of fun to be had in the, some of the cards in these decks, and I think that's one of them. So we have the next card here is Inspired Sphinx. It is five blue blue for a 5-5 five, five Sphinx with flying that says when it ETBs, draw cards equal to the number of opponents you have, and it has a activated ability of three and a blue to create a one-one color stop to artifact creature with flying. Uh, I don't have anything to say about this card in particular, other than the fact that this is a reprint from the Game Night, a uh, like five-player game that they print every now and then. Um, this was unique to that set, and this is its first reprint since then. So pretty cool. I also agree with you there. I think it's really cool that they're starting to like dip into their other sets and other like auxiliary products to be able to reprint into Commander. Because it's not a card I had ever heard of, but I can see why it's in this deck. And again, being able to, if you can blink it and flick it and everything, it just makes it like, you're going to be drawing a lot of cards. We have Muldrifter as our next card. It is four and a blue for a 2-2 two -two elemental that ETBs draws you two cards. Also has flying, also has convoke which is two and a blue that says uh, you may cast this spell for its evoke cost. If you do, it's sacrificed when it enters the battlefield. We have Seagate Oracle for two and a blue for a one, three human wizard that says when it ETBs, look at the top two cards of your library and put one of them into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. We have Tales of the Ancestors, another uh, pre-con exclusive card here. It is three and a blue for a sorcery that says each player with fewer cards in hand than the player with the most cards in hand draws cards equal to the difference and it has foretell for one and a blue. We have a new card from Kaldime. It is Vega the Watcher. One white and a blue for a tutu bird spirit with flying that says whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, you draw a card. 
Uh, the only thing I want to remark about Vega is that it does include your commander. So uh, you, obviously you're not casting your commander from your hand. You're casting it from the command zone. So for those of you who love your little uh, little cantrip possibilities, your te technically makes your, your commander cantrip. Yeah, I mean, this comes down like a turn before. Uh, yeah, like one turn before your commander. You play a land, you play a commander, you draw a card with, with Vega. I think it's super cool and it's super flavorful and... I, uh, I really like the inclusion. I saw this card and was like, oh, I don't know if you're going to get that many kind of activations out of it or whatever. But then we kind of helped this card a little bit. So you're going to be drawing a lot of cards off this card. Um, we have Wall of Omens as our next card. It is the one and a white ETBs draws a card. We have Windfall, two and a blue for a sorcery that says each player discards their hand, then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way. Um... That takes us to the end of that card draw package. Uh, it, so we did say there are 10 ways to draw cards here. Uh, that might seem like a lot for a pre-con with, you know, obviously like a little over one-tenth of the deck being card draw. Uh, but you also have to bear in mind that a lot of these ways of drawing cards are actually kind of expensive. So Cloud Laser is five mana. Ethereal Valkyrie is six mana. Inspires Sphinx is seven mana. Uh, when you tally up like the Fortel costs, Behold the Multiverse is four mana, no matter which way you spin it. Uh, the cheapest way to draw cards pretty much in here is three mana, roughly. Uh, I guess two technically with Wall of Omens. So while it may seem like a little bit of overkill over the Elf deck, uh, it actually kind of balances out because you do have to pay a decent amount of mana for these card draw effects. Yeah, but it's nothing that we can't really, you know, uh, just abuse i guess uh with other cards in the deck here that we'll get into later oh of course um <laughs> but we're gonna go to our removal package right now and our removal package is 11 cards so again we've had what uh 11 ramp 11 card draw and now 11 removal this deck is just full of everything you want to be able to like what you want a commander deck to do so we're gonna move into our removal package here I'm going to break down all of these 11 cards. We have Angel of Finality first, which is three and a white for a creature. Angel, three, four, by the way, with flying that says when it ETBs, you exile all cards from target player's graveyard. Yeah, this one's not strictly removal, so to speak. It is just graveyard removal specifically, but um, it is worth noting that this is like extremely meta to the pre-con versus pre-con game because obviously we saw uh, last week with our last episode that the elf deck has the, does have some amount of recursion and having angel of finality in this deck means that you get to kind of gack that strategy a little bit yeah you can definitely tell that like like you said like the meta um of these two decks where they've meant to go head to head i guess um kind of leads me into like these i don't know what they're really thinking about this product being like a a 1v1 commander kind of aspect or you know, I'm just like, just, just give me, give us four decks per, like, you know, just <laughs> give us, just give us four decks per set and we'll be able to have new pods playing new decks all the time. But I know that that's probably asking way too much from yeah. Wizards right now. I think, uh, I think that would drive the design team crazy. Designing four new decks for each set. That'd be, that'd be a little nuts. I mean, you only have to have two of them as brand new commanders and two of them as like commanders that are already in the new set i guess and then you can just do like full reprints of everything and just do the same thing i mean i know it's asking a lot so i'm not going to keep pushing on it and be like wizards you have to do this because <laughs> we're going to be getting our commander 2021 decks here shortly maybe within the next couple of months or so so i'm 
So happy to move on to the next one, which is Angel of Serenity. It is four white, white, white for a five, six angel with flying that says when it ETBs, you may exile up to three other target creatures from the battlefield and or creatures from graveyards. When it leaves the battlefield, return the exiled cards to their owner's hands. Cards like this remind me just how long I've been playing Magic. Yeah. Because this this card first came out in Return to Ravnica, which is right about the time I started playing. And this card saw tons of play in Commander. And I think it even saw a little bit of standard play at the time. Um, sees almost no play now. And, you know, it's just one of those reminders that, like, I've been playing Commander long enough to, to see these once extremely popular cards come and go. And I think we've seen that happen in, like, just even, like, the last, like, year. We've seen that happen as well. Like, there are cards that I played a year ago that I would not touch now. Yeah, actually, I was I was on Twitter the other day, and somebody asked a question. When I when when I mentioned enter the battlefield effects, I can't I can't remember who said this. Uh, what what uh what's the best one you can think of? And uh, my thought was Restoration Angel. Like when I started playing, that card was amazing. Flash, and you get to blink something to save it or rebuy the uh, ETB effect. Wow, that's insane. But these days, like you get that effect for like two mana yeah <laughs> on just much more efficiently statted creatures and it's like oh okay i'm trying to think of one from like commander legends that i've seen that's inherently busted from commander legends yeah what's an etb from commander legends we talked so much about it commander legends we should know that set by the back Rex of Age? our hands by now i mean rex age is is a is a good one actually that 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 is a good point I used to play Acidic Slime in almost every one of my green decks as a removal. Exactly. And now <laughs> I have just slotted Acidic Slime out for Rexage. And whenever anyone plays Acidic Slime, I'm like, why are you not just playing Rexage? Like, if you're just hitting enchantments or artifacts with um, Acidic Slime and you're never hitting a land with it, then why not just play Reclamation Sage? Because you get it for two mana cheaper. It comes down earlier if you need it. And you don't have to hold up as much mana to be able to like do anything else. You know, it, at that point, it's the same cost as a generous gift or a beast within. I just, I'm not saying that like Acidic Slime is a bad card. I just think with the power creep and, uh, you know, the, the access to Reclamation Sage, just be playing that instead. Well, negative nostalgia aside, <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to the next one here. Yeah. So we got Bandishing Light, which is two and a white for a enchantment that says when an ETB's exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. I just realized I made that rhyme and that was a complete accident. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to just freestyle rap here on the, uh, on the podcast just yet. It might be a Patreon thing. <laughs> so we have Cleansing Nova as our next card. It is three white, white for a sorcery that says choose one. Destroy all creatures, destroy all artifacts and enchantments. Yeah, wizards, you can go ahead and keep printing that card. Oh, forever. <laughs> I remember when this when this card first came out when I first played started playing Commander and I was playing an enchant I was playing an artifact deck and uh my friend who was playing in the pod as soon as she got knocked out, she was like, "All right, that's it." and went to the counter and was like, "Do you have a cleansing nova from like M I think it was like M19 or something?" She's like, "I need a cleansing nova." And it was like a couple of bucks and she picked it up and she was like, "All right," and just slotted it straight into her into our angel deck and i was like all right cool so now we're just doing meta calls here i guess <laughs> i mean the thing about it is that well okay i say this like every episode now but we all know how i feel about modal spells and uh, paul loves modal spells <laughs> this one i'm gonna put that on a shirt for you paul that says i love modal spells <laughs> this one is just like 
you know, we, tr- we, we traditionally respect austere command as being a very good whiteboard wipe. And yeah. this is more or less uh, kind of the same thing if you took the top two modes of austere command and the bottom two modes of austere command and put them together. Actually, that's exactly what it is. It is exactly that. <laughs> like, exactly that, Paul. <laughs> I it's never noticed also that, like, but that's cool. It's also like one mana cheaper as well. Yeah. And, you know, you just get to have your best pick of whichever one works for you. Yeah. Yeah. What about this next one? I like this next one. I don't think I've seen this card anyway. played anywhere near enough in Commander, and that is Curse of the Swine. It is X blue blue for a sorcerer. It says exile X target creatures for each creature exiled this way. Its controller puts a 2-2 green boar creature token onto the battlefield. Uh, this is another one of those negative nostalgia cards that I it, I used to see it played all the time, and now there's just better stuff, man. I guess that's uh, the difference between when you started playing Commander and when I started playing Commander. Because this isn't a card that I see all that often. And when I do, it only hits like two or three things. Yeah, there's just better stuff now. Also, like, it, it has to man, it has a mandatory target. Like, it has to tar- target X creatures. If one of them gets removed, it just fizzles. I'm pretty sure that's the way it works. Yeah. So, it is a little vulnerable to that. That's one thing that Wizards have kind of done, I guess. They're, they're, they're now, like, printing cards that say, you know, up to this many targets. So, like, you can still hit some stuff if some other things become illegal targets. Yeah. So, anyway, we have Iron Verdict at two and a white for an instant that says Iron Verdict deals five damage to target tapped creature and has foretell for one white. It's practically just a better path to exile. It's not. I don't even know how to respond to you right now, Paul. (laughs) Like... Like, at all. Like, I just don't know what to say anymore. It's one white, and you get to kill something anyway, and it doesn't ramp right. run. <laughs> is, that a, is, that, is that an impression of me? Like, no. is that what you're doing here? No. <laughs> <laughs> My Australian accent's uh, not that bad. I mean... Right? You're not wrong, but it's also not great. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> uh, so we have Meteor Golem as our next card. It is seven mana for a 3-3 that ETBs and destroys a non-land permanent and opponent controls. We have Mist Raven as our next one after that. It is two blue blue for a 2-2 bird that says when it ETBs, return target creature card to its owner's hand. We have Raven Form, the brand new exile target creature or artifact. Its controller creates a 1-1 blue bird creature token. From Caldime, it is two and a blue and has a foretell cost of one blue. We have a return to dust, two white white for an instant that either exiles one artifact or enchantment, or if you cast during your main phase, you get to exile up to another one. So you get two, two targets with that one. And I think that was another, that was a card that we said just reprint more of. It's a really good card. It's a really cool, like, it's a really good card to cast through your main phase, but to get rid of two things if you need to, or just instantly get rid of one thing. Um... Again, just another card that Wizards need to reprint more of. We have Spectral Deluge as our last card here for removal. It is four blue blue for a sorcery that says return each creature your opponent's control with toughness X or less to its owner's hand where X is the number of islands you control and it has foretell for one blue blue. Amazing card. Oh, this is a fantastic (laughs) card. Um, That actually makes... This isn't strictly a board wipe, but that actually does make two technically three mana board wipes in the set because you have the white one and you have this one uh so kind of power creepy but in a good way because we needed more more of that for blue i know blue is pretty strong already but blue doesn't really have ways to deal with wide board states outside of like cyclonic rift and stuff 
so I'm actually pretty happy to see that they are giving Blue some access to that. Yeah, and it's such a flavorful way that they've done it as well that it's not just like, oh, here, have a uh, just have another like downpowered uh, cyclonic rift, which now I'm reading it, it totally is a downpowered cyclonic rift. Um, yeah, it's it only affects uh, stuff your opponents control, so it's actually a huge tempo swing. It is. Um, I just disregard everything that I just said. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to move into our next packet here. And this, I think this packet is going to give away exactly what the strategy that we went with. Now, I was talking to Paul the night before we recorded this, this episode. And he was like, I was like, how did, what do you do with Fortel? Like, there's only like 10 or 15 cards in this deck that wants to Fortel. And he was like, just abuse the second, the second triggered ability. And I was like, what even is that? triggered ability like what does that even do and so he wanted to uh to abuse the uh whenever you exile one or more creatures from your hand or permanence from the graveyard you create a one one white spirit creature token with flying and we do that by blinking everything that we own so we're gonna move into our packet here that's called don't blink <laughs> like ever just don't <laughs> blink we have brago king eternal I don't think we've talked about this guy on the podcast before, but we really should. He is two white and a blue for a two, four spirit with flying that says when he, uh, when Brago King eternal deals combat damage to a player, exile any number of target non-land permanents you control, then return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. After that, we have eerie interlude at two and a white for an instant that says exile any number of target creatures you control return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step we have flicker wisp at one and two white for a three two elemental with flying that says when it etbs you exile another target permanent return that perm uh, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step kind of seeing a theme here right like everything kind of comes in and flickers something else until the end step or like straight away we got ghostly flicker i love this card like I, this is the one of those cards where it was just like I, I never saw the like the ceiling of this car. I always kept seeing its floor, and it is two and a blue for an instant. This is exile two tar. Uh, sorry, yeah, exile two target artifacts, creatures, and or lands you control. Then return those cards to the battlefield under your control. So remember this card when we talk about the maybe board, because this is going to come back and we're going to be like, ta da! Look what we did with the deck. We have Mist Meadow Witch, one and hybrid Azorius for a 1-1 Kithkin Wizard that has an activated ability of two white and a blue exile target creature. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. We have Momentary Blink for one and a white. It is an instant. It flickers something. I'm not going to keep saying what it does exactly. So it flickers it comes back uh straight away and it has flashback for three and a blue which means you can cast this card from your graveyard for its flashback cost then exile it we have paul's favorite spiky commander card here restoration angel don't judge me <laughs> it's three and a white for a three four angel with flash and flying and when it etbs you get to exile target non-angel creature you control then return to the battlefield under your control and the last one we have here is Soul Herder, which is one white and a blue for a 1-1 one, one spirit that says whenever a creature is exiled from the battlefield, put a 1-1 one, one counter on Soul Herder, and at the beginning of your end step, you may exile another target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Basically just Conjurer's Closet on a creature, which everybody knows how good Conjurer's Closet is. 
it's a fantastic five mana artifact. Um, I didn't want to interrupt in between any of that because a lot of these cards basically do the same thing. Uh, the only thing I do want to note here is Flicker Wisp and Miss Meadow Witch. They're a little unique in that they can target opponent stuff, which you can imagine. Why would I want to do that, Paul? Uh, well, if an opponent is leaving up like blue mana for counter spells and you're worried about that, Flicker Wisp can exile their untapped land until the end of the turn. So you can just kind of clear away through counter spells with Flicker Wisp. Uh, also, Miss Meadow Witch can exile opponent's creatures which means that if they are threatening to attack you with some very large things, you can just exile them and let them come back at the end of the turn. So I realized that... Uh, so the elf deck was more of a swing deck, and I really feel like this deck is more of a combo deck. It's not really a combo. I, I, I'd consider it like more I would, like a mid-range I wouldn't deck. say... All right. I wouldn't say it's a traditional combo deck, but it definitely leads itself to like having a lot of interactions and a lot of repeatable loops um which we kind of well i kind of went oh this is a budget combo that we could put in here but that's not until the end of the episode but spoiler alert there is a combo in here there could be could be maybe <laughs> we don't know yet is there isn't there you have to find out at the, at the end of the episode but what you won't have to find out about is we're going to go to our combat phase now and we're going to hear a message from our sponsors right now so welcome back from that ad break uh I hope you did all of the combat damage that you want to do with them with those uh, Golgari elves. But we're going to go into our main phase two here. Wait, why don't I want to talk about the Golgari elves? I mean, let's do them with the spirits. Let's let's do some damage with some spirits, shall we, Paul? Yeah, let's not rehash old topics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's do some damage with our little one-one spirits we've gotten from like blinking things and getting and getting everything back and foretelling things away. And yeah, cool. All right, that's what we did. We've gone to our main phase two. I'm going to start casting more creatures and big spells. And big, flashy Azorius spells. We're going to come back from our ad break into main phase two. And we're going to talk about just some just generically good creatures that are in this deck that you will want to target with the flicker effects that we just talked about. Um, so the first one we have here is Arcane Artisan. Arcane Artisan is a three, sorry, it's two and a blue for a zero three human wizard that has an activated ability of two and a blue tap. Target player draws a card, then exiles a card from, her, from their hand. If a creature card is exiled this way, that player creates a, a copy token of that card. When Arcane Artisan leaves the battlefield, exile all tokens created with it at the beginning of the next end step. So I didn't include this one in card draw because it only draws one card and you have to exile one as well. So it's kind of net neutral. Um, where it really excels is obviously that you exile a card from your hand, which means you get a 1-1 spirit from Renar if he's on the field. And you also, if you exile a creature, you get a token that's a copy of that creature. Uh, so, pretty interesting card. I'm actually really happy to see it printed in a pre-con, because it used to be really expensive. Uh, it fell out of favor for a little while. Uh, it's in some cubes, and that's usually where it sees its uh, its heyday. But to see this card down to just a few bucks, and seeing it in a pre-con means it'll probably go a little lower, is really cool. And I'm glad Wizards yeah, I'm is... Uh, printing some more interesting cards reprinting interesting cards yeah and not just always reprinting the same cards either like if they keep reprinting like more and like you said like more interesting cards like arcane artisan these cards these cards might see a resurgence in popularity because they're more accessible and might fill a niche that some decks might need that we never even thought about because i'd never even heard of this card until now and it came out in battle bond and that was only like a couple of years ago now yeah um, you didn't see this card in limited all too much, uh, but there were, you know, 
because it was a team format, you would like target your your teammate because they would have big creatures, and then they would exile them, and they get to draw a card too. Uh, it's a it was a cool card for that format, but uh, I think it probably should see a little more play than it does now in Commander, which is like almost none. Um, there's not a whole lot of like token based blue strategies out there, not that I can think of anyway, except for like Riku the you know I forgot his name, Riku the something reflection right. Riku, Riku of two two reflections. There you go. That's the one. Is that it? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure it's he's play there. But um, other than that, I'm actually not sure where it goes. But anyway, it has a home now. Uh, another home. It has a great home in this deck, and we're gonna move on now to the next one, which is Cloud Goat Ranger. Just reading this card, and I had never even heard of this card either. This is from I believe it's from Lawwin originally. Mm-hmm. It is three and double white for a three three giant warrior. That says when an ETBs put three one one white Kithkin soldier creatures tokens into play, tap three untapped Kithrin Kithkins you control. Cloud Goat Ranger gets a plus two, a plus zero, and gains flying until end of turn. Only reason I know this card is because of cube. Used to be in uh, a lot of cubes. Yeah, I again cube really isn't a format that I've played all that much. I'm with the introduction of commander legends and drafting and everything i want to get back into drafting and cube kind of seems like a lot of fun to be able to do and i know you have a cube paul and i can't wait for your cube to be finished (laughs) it's about half done so we can we can get into some power cube and play with the power nine and do all that crazy stuff that i've never been able to do before with playing magic and just yeah yeah (laughs) but if you have a cube and you want to play that, and we're local, and we can, and we're allowed to because of COVID restrictions, then I want to play cube with you guys. I just want to play magic with as many people as I can. I love playing magic with everybody. So aside from that, we're going to talk about Ethereum Eagle. It is two white and a blue for a two, three human spirit with flying that says other creatures you control with flying get plus one, plus one. So it has a slight anthem sub theme to the deck. Uh, there are a couple of cards here that really care about like giving flying creatures or like blue creatures plus one, plus ones. We have Evangel of Heliod, and I probably messed up that pronunciation again. No, that was actually good. Ooh, <laughs> nailed it. I'm getting better, Paul. Look at me go. It's four white, white for a one, three human cleric that says when Evangel of Heliod enters the battlefield, put a number of one, one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield equal to your white devotion. So that just means like you count up all of the white pips in all of your permanents, and that is your devotion to that color. So in this case, it's white. We have Geist Honored Monk. Three white white for a star star human monk with vigilance. Geist Honored Monk's power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control. When Geist Honored Monk enters the battlefield, put two plus one. Oh, sorry. Put two one one white spirit creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. We have Gold Knight Commander, three and a white for a 2-2 human cleric soldier that says when another creature enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So this is almost like a budgetized version of Cathard's Crusade, which if you were going to go that like swing heavy route, I would probably suggest putting a Cathard's Crusade in the deck if you have one lying around or if you had the money to be able to pick up one, you weren't worrying about such much of a budget or anything. That is a fantastic card over this one. Um, I like this one as well, but I like that Cathar's Crusader just regular, straight, static, plus one, plus ones. We have a Hero of Bredegard, two and a white for a 1-1 human warrior that says whenever you exile one or more cards from your hand and or permanents from the battlefield, put that many plus one, plus one counters on Hero of Bredegard. 
As long as Hero of Bradegard has five or more counters on it, it has flying and is an angel in addition to its other types. As long as Hero of Bradegard has ten or more counters on it, it has indestructible and is a god in addition to its other types. I think it's really interesting that this card doesn't actually specify they have to be plus one plus one counters on it. It could be flying counters, it could be death touch counters, it could be hexproof counters, it can be charge counters, it can be anything. It just cares about the number of counters. Which is really interesting that it gives itself plus one plus one counters and they didn't specify that it needs plus one plus one counters. Yeah, and with the introduction of Ikoria into the Eternal formats that we could just put Vigilance counters, like the Cathril deck that just wants to throw around Vigilance uh, and like keywords everywhere, this thing could get up really, really big really quickly. And honestly, it's just like, I don't, I don't really know how to feel about this card. I like the design. It's uh, It's wacky. But by the end of it, like, if you have 10 on here, it becomes a human warrior, angel, god. Like, that's just awesome. Yeah, that's quite the blend of types. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of like, like when you master all the classes in Final Fantasy games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell Paul's been playing a lot of Final Fantasy in his downtime? Uh, I have been. I just recently beat 4 <laughs> and 5. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. I only that have, came uh, off one and two a left. little more condescending than i expected it to and i'm sorry oh it's fine but, uh, how many do you have left sorry i have one and two that's it Ooh, they're the ones that i finished the most anyway rant aside back to magic we have sage of the beyond which is five blue blue for a five five spirit giant that has flying i wonder how does a giant fly anyway spells you cast from anywhere other than your hand cost two less to cast and has foretell for four and a blue this is, I believe, a pre-con exclusive, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. This this yeah. is another pre-con exclusive. Uh, I was actually talking with some friends about this card lately. Um, I think this card is actually good in decks that have expensive commanders. Well, because it discounts your commander. So I think this is actually pretty good in, like, Maelstrom Wanderer. Because if you foretell it, it comes down the turn before Maelstrom Wanderer. And then you can cast Maelstrom Wanderer the next turn. Um, so I think in decks like that, this is actually a pretty decent card. Uh, I'm not sure where else it would fit. Uh, it works with flashback pretty well. So maybe in Kess again, I'm not entirely sure about that one. Uh, but I'm curious to see where it ends up and how it performs. Cause it seems like a decent card on the surface. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see the lifespan on this card. If people are going to pick it up and be like, "Ooh, this is a really good mid card. Or this is like a, you know, like kind of where it sits when it comes out. So the next card we have here is Sun Titan. We all know Sun Titan, you know, it ETBs or attacks. It returns uh, a target to permanent with converter mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you can keep getting your stuff back. It's a six, six giant with vigilance for six. Fantastic card. I think it comes in a lot of a lot of precons. I think this is out of that whole cycle of Titans, I believe this is one that is reprinted the most. Yes, and I think least is probably actually Frost Titan. Yeah. <laughs> and then in there you've got Inferno Titan and Grave Titan in there. I really wish they would reprint Grave Titan more often, because that is a very expensive card for what it does. Well, you know what's funny is that Grave Titan is actually the second most reprinted one. Yeah, but it's still like It's still so expensive. I think it's still like $16 at time of recording. I'll check on that for you while you uh, read up. <laughs> so we have Skirtland Elementalist. It is five blue blue for an eight, eight giant wizard that says at the, as an additional cost to cast this 
Spell, reveal a giant card from your hand or pay two extra mana. When Skirtland Elementalist attacks, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand with, without paying its mana cost. I actually we like have... this card a lot. Um, I think it's... Obviously, it's much better with flashy spells or things that don't really have mana costs. So I think in order to really capitalize on this card, you're going to want to be in like uh, Grixis or maybe Esper somewhere around there. Uh, Black usually has the big fancy spells. Uh, Red sometimes has them too. Uh, so like you could you could cast like Curse of the Cabal, for example, which is a pretty famous not not famous, but it's it was a pet card of mine when I first started playing this game. It's ten mana. And target opponent or target player sacrifices half the permanents they control and loses half their life rounded up. It's ten mana for a sorcery, but with uh, this Sirland, am I reading that right? Sirland Elementalist, uh, you get to just do that for free. All you gotta do is attack. Yeah, this thing is gonna be a powerhouse. I looked at it when I first looked at this card. I was like, oh yeah, but it wants giants, and then I realized how many giants there actually are. So when you have like Sun Titan, you have the Sage of Beyond, um, quickly flicking back through all the cards we just talked about, uh, you have the Cloud Goat Ranger. So there's at least, at least a decent amount of giants in the deck to be able to pay that uh, additional cost of just showing your opponents a giant. Be like, hey, look, I've got a Sun Titan, everybody. Look what I'm going to get back with my Sun Titan. <laughs> uh, we have Thunderclap Wyvern. And a wyvern is not a dragon. There are two very, very distinctive uh, feature differences on a dragon and a wyvern. It is two and a white and a blue for a two-three drake with flash and flying. And it says other creatures you control get plus. Oh, wait, sorry, other creatures you control with flying get plus one plus one. And the last one here on the list we have Whirler Rogue. It is two blue blue for a two-two human rogue artificer that says when it ETBs, create two one-one colorless stopped artifact creatures tokens with flying. Tap two untapped artifacts you control. Target creature can't be blocked this turn. Uh, I just checked on the price of Grave Titan. Depending on where you buy from, it can be like ten to twenty dollars. So, yeah, okay, that's about where I thought it was. I thought it was com sitting comfortably around like that fifteen dollar mark. So, we'll call it fifteen as an average, and that's about what a Grave Titan is. Whereas compared to uh, Sun Titan, which is currently sitting at like a dollar to like a dollar fifty, reprint more Grave Titans, please, wizards. Please, wizards. So we're going to go into our enchantment package here. We only have four of them, but some of them are a little wordy. So the first one we have here is Day of the Dragons. It is four blue, blue, blue for an enchantment that says when Day of the Dragons enters the battlefield, exile all creatures you control, then create that many five, five red dragon creature tokens with flying. And when Day of the Dragons leaves the battlefield, sacrifice all dragons you control then return the exiled cards to the battlefield under your control. We have Ghostly Prison, two and a white for an enchantment that says creatures can't attack you unless their controller pays two generic mana for each creature they control that's attacking you. That is a really good reprint in here. That's like a five to six dollar card depending. And it goes really well in most of the flicker decks or like the don't touch me bro decks, which I have currently just built a budget version of a Primacon don't hit me bro deck and... I needed a ghostly prison, and I, I once I found out a ghostly prison was in this precon, I was super happy because um, it is a very good card, uh, especially for like the mid range kind of like low to mid range where people want to kind of be playing the, these precons. A fantastic reprint. Now we're just going to see them reprint more of propaganda as well or Norn's Annex. 
that is a really cool one that no one really talks about. It's a wall that does the same thing, but uses uh, Phyrexian mana instead. So we have Marshall's Anthem. Two white white for an enchantment with multi-kicker for one and a white. So you may pay an additional one and a white any number of times as you cast this spell. Creatures you control get plus one plus one. And when Marshall's Anthem enters the battlefield, return up to X target creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the number of times Marshall's Anthem was kicked. And the last one we have here is Nico Defies Destiny. So Nico is a new Planeswalker that we have. It is one white and a blue for an enchantment saga. So it, it puts law counters on itself. The first one, the first chapter here is you gain two life for each foretold card you own in exile. Chapter two is add white and a blue. Spend this mana only to foretell cards or cast cards. Sorry, cast spells that have been foretelled. And chapter three, return target card with foretell from your graveyard to your hand. Um... I'm actually going to point out that the the second chapter, uh, you said that you can only use it to either foretell cards or cast spells that have been foretold. Uh, but it actually, you can just cast spells that have foretell. So even if you haven't foretold it, if the spell has foretell, you can cast it with that mana. You can just See, cast there it. There you go. Again, reading cards is hard, Paul. We read so <laughs> many cards. No, that no, like that's the thing is like reading cards and understanding their wording especially in magic is so important and detrimental to the game that sometimes we just kind of roll over things that we think we just, we just know. And like, that's just one of those things that, uh, maybe I'll just up the brightness and the, uh, the font size of my iPad here so I can read them a little better. <laughs> I'll just blame, I'll just blame my eyesight. I'm, I'm getting older, Paul. Sure. Me too. <laughs> Yes, yes, we are. And that's all of our, uh, our enchantments. So we're going to move into our next packet here, and that is the instant spells in the deck, which I'm surprised are actually awesome instant spells that don't really remove anything in the deck. Uh, remove anything, sorry. So we have four of them. The first one is Cosmic Intervention. It is three and a white for an instant that says, if a permanent you control would be put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn, exile it instead. Return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step and has foretell for one and a white. Wonderful card. All these original cards in these decks are pretty good. Yeah, they're going to be like, maybe like if I was to upgrade this deck, I'd be taking out some of the, the non-focused cards and leaving these ones for last. I'd have a hard time cutting any of these like original pre-con exclusive cards because they're just so good of like exiling things or, you know, giving you card drawer and stuff. And it's just, yeah, they're going to be very hard to cut out of this list. So the next one we have is Saw It Coming. And if you listen to the Kaldheim set review we did, this is the one and a two blue for a counter spell with foretell of one and a blue. We have Synthetic Destiny, four blue blue for an instant that says exile all creature cards you control. At the beginning of the next end step, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal that many creature cards. Put all creature cards revealed this way into the battlefield, then shuffle the rest of the revealed cards into your library. And the last one we have here is Warhorn Blast. Four and a white for an instant that says creatures you control get plus two, plus one until end of turn and has foretell for two and a white. Um, so for a lot of these, it's pretty obvious why they're here. Uh, Warhorn Blast, you know, it's meant for a big attack. Cosmic Intervention can save your stuff. Saw it coming as a counterspell. But Synthetic Destiny, you might ask yourself, uh, why on earth is that card in the deck? Um, it's also not really a card that 
people have really heard of. I myself actually hadn't heard of it until I saw this deck list. Uh, it was apparently in one of the previous commander decks. Uh, but it actually it goes really well with Hanar for two reasons. One, it exiles your creatures, which means that you get to make a spirit. And two, you also get to exile the spirits that you make uh, to get actual factual uh, creatures. Uh, what's cool about this spell is that it's an instant, so you can do this uh, before your previous opponent's end step in the turn cycle, and then you get to untap with like a completely different board state than you had before. Yeah, and they'll never see it coming. Well, they will for their end step. That's it, though. Well, of course. <laughs> I just really wish that counter spell was called Never Saw It Coming. That's a that's a photo fail on 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 Wizards behalf, I guess. For for me personally, <laughs> if if I was in charge of making that card, at least the test card of that one would have been never saw it coming because you know you'll you'll never see a Fortel card coming from exile to counter a spell. Well, after oh. the first time, you probably will. Yeah, I I get that, but then they're like <laughs> it's face down, so it's like it's kind of sneaky. Be like, is that a counter spell? Is it just in a creature? Is it a sorcery? Like, what is that card? So we're gonna move into our sorceries. Speaking of sorceries. We have Migratory Route, which is three white and a blue for a sorcery that says create four 1-1 one, one white bird creatures with uh, tokens with flying and has basic land cycling for two, which just means that you can discard this card, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it and put it to your hand, then shuffle your library. Another famous card that has this is Ash Barons. And the last sorcery we have in the deck is Stormherd, eight and double white for a sorcery, that says create X11 white Pegasus creature tokens with flying where X is your life total. I don't know why this card is in the deck, Paul. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this card. I don't really see it being decent in yeah, the deck. Yeah, I, I, mean, I was actually going to talk about it towards the end. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, you're going to make uh, like, you're going to make it maximum, oh man, like not maximum, but like you can make like 40 of 41 ones. But if you wanted to talk about it at the end, we can totally do that. Uh, no, we could talk about it now since we already started. I was just gonna, I was gonna talk about it. You know, I was gonna say that this card is like, mm, how can I convey my feelings in a way that's not offensive? <laughs> I, I understand the appeal of this card, but the ceiling is very high, and that floor is very, very low. Imagine and paying ten mana for one, one, one. Most of the time. This card is going to sit in your hand, and before you even get to 10 mana and want to cast this, you're either dying or dead. Or the inverse could be true, where you cast this, and it either gets answered right away, or everybody just decides that they're going to target you with everything they have, and you can't really do anything with your, let's be optimistic and say 40 Pegasi. Not Pegasus? -es? No, I refuse to say that. <laughs> Pegasi, plural. You had such an issue with the Kraken episode too, where you just you refused to say octopuses. Because it, it sounds weird, first of all, and second I, of all, it's like it's just that's not the plural form. I get it's a proper noun. I get it. Like I took English classes, but it's just not right. Um <laughs> uh, Yeah, and then the last card we have in the deck here is an artifact, and it's Lonely Little Swiftfoot Boots. It came out it came out forever ago. It's been reprinted many many times and i don't see them stopping reprinting this card it's the two mana equipped equipped creature has hexproof and haste equips for one it's just so good yeah like i i couldn't put that anywhere else because it's just you know it is swift foot boots it's it's a category that's it. of its, it's own. just 
it's a little bit of evasion. It gives your commander um, haste if you want it to. It gives a big old creature haste if you need it to. It just does everything you want it to do. But now we're going to go into our maybe board. So these are our 20 cards that we would, that we kind of decided that this would need to be, not really need to be in the deck, but this is what we decided that would go into our theoretical version of this deck if we were building this one, which funnily enough, I, I have it pre-ordered and it's going to be here when Kaldheim releases. So I am going to be playing this one up, upgraded with most of these cards in here, if not all of them. And we had 20 of them. So 20 in, 20 out. Costs about $20 at time of recording. Um, But Paul went ahead and actually did another little section that he's going to talk about at the end as well. But um, I am just going to note, Paul, uh, the couple of cards that I decided to put in here like we did last time. Because we kind of both really put our contributions in, into these lists. Uh, yeah, just feel free to in insert yourself whenever that comes up, because I can't actually remember. what. Actually, I do remember a couple of them. Cause, yeah. I remember all of them, Paul. <laughs> so I'm just going to rattle them off now real quick for yeah, myself. Um, so I already saw that Ghost of Flicker was in the deck, and from building a budget deck, I actually looked at the prices of Archaeomancer and Peregrine Drake, and we all know that that is a three-card infinite combo in mono blue, so I put it in the deck here because it's only $1.50 to get those two other cards. So we have Archaeomancer is the 2-4 that gets a instant or sorcery out of the graveyard back to your hand. Now, this is just a fantastic ETB that can be abused with the flicker theme of this deck. Um, doesn't have to be an infinite combo, but can just keep generating you value of getting all of your instant and sorcery spells back. And even if Peregrine Drake doesn't go infinite, again, in this deck, because it does untap five lands when it ETBs, again, you're going to get significant amounts of value off of this card, even if you can, like be able to get into like a flicker cycle of flicking things in and out all the time. Um, so don't always, you don't always have to go for the, the, the infinite mana combo with that one, but you can just get it for absolute value and your playgroup is still going to hate you for it. Um, but I also added, well, I didn't add it, but we kind of decided that if we're going to have infinite mana here, we need some sort of payoff and I didn't want us to do the usual payoff stuff. So we found Law Weaver which is three and a blue for a human wizard 2-2 two, two, that says partner with Lay with Lay Weaver, which is a green card. So we can't play that one. But it has an activated ability of five blue blue. Target player draws two cards. So with infinite mana, with the combo, you can then just continually make your opponents draw their deck and deck themselves. Doesn't that just sound like fun? Or am I just a sadistic, like, hateful combo player now? Um... Probably more of the latter, but you know, <laughs> if it's fun to you, then it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I added Solemn Simulacrum to the deck as well, because, I mean, I feel that with another great, fantastic ETB that gets you a land card to the battlefield tapped is another way of being able to help the deck with ramping so that you can kind of flick some of those ramp cards out and put other things in if you wanted to. Um, but the big one that I added, the one that I was like, as soon as I saw this deck in these colors, I knew that this, this card had to be in here. And that was Urian Sky Nomad. Now, it was back in Ikoria that we talked about this card the very first time. And he's the three Azor a hybrid Azorius, hybrid Azorius for a 5-4 bird serpent that has companion. But we're not going to talk about that because we're not using it as a companion. Um, it has flying and says, when Urian enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-land permanents you own and control. Return those, cards to uh, return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. So again, you can get into this kind of, it's not an infinite loop because it has timing restrictions on it, 
but you can have Urion target your whole field and then exile your Restoration Angel. And then when that comes back, you can then exile your Urion again and then bring it back and then exile things as you wanted to. Uh, also worth noting that Yorion uh, doesn't actually target. Uh, his exiling happens on resolution of his ability, so you don't actually have to say what you're blinking when people uh, say, hey, what are you going to do with that? You just get to choose when his ability resolves, and then it happens instantly. So they don't get to respond to you saying, oh, I'm going to blink these things. Quick little note on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, a, just a little uh, editor's note, I guess. <laughs> there is one more card that I suggested right before we hit record, but it is in Paul's little special section, so I'm going to let him talk about it. Um, but other than that, everything else on this list here is Paul's inclusion, and do you want to take that one away, Paul, now? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to try to go through these a little quickly because uh, I know we're getting towards the uh, end of the episode here. I know you're all, you all been listening to us talk. Uh, first one up here, we've got a Chroma Angel of Wrath. This is eight mana, five white, white, white for a six, six angel. With Flying First Strike, Vigilance, Trample, Haste, Protection from Black, and from Red. Now, I know that seems like a weird include, but there are a couple of cards in here that care about you having big things. Like, I, we just mentioned, um, what was the name of that card? It was an instant. Hold on, I gotta look for it. Synthetic Destiny. So, you want big thing, you wanna, you wanna like wheel into big things with Synthetic Destiny. It's also pretty good with Arcane Artisan, wink, wink. Um... And also, this deck just kind of lacks like big beefy beaters to really get in the red zone. So, Akroma is in here to do just that. Uh, just be there and exist and be extremely difficult to remove while getting in large chunks of damage at a time. Um, Archaeomancer, we already talked about. Next, we've got Broodbirth Viper. As you might not have ever heard of this card, it is four and a blue for a 3 3 snake with Myriad, a mechanic that you don't really see pop up on a creature all too often usually on an equipment. Uh, but whenever this creature attacks, or whenever a creature of Myriad attacks, you make a copy of it for each other opponent you have attacking those opponents, if able. Um, and whenever Broodbirth Viper deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. Uh, what's unique about this is that with Myriad, you actually exile the tokens at the end of combat. Uh, obviously, uh, Renar, or Hanar, sorry, cares about you exiling permanence you control. So when you exile those tokens, you get to make... Uh, actually, in this case, since they're two separate triggers, you get, make, get to make a spirit for each one that you exile. Uh, next up, we have Ephemerate. This one is just a one white mana for an instant with rebound, uh, which means you get to cast it again for free on your next upkeep. Uh, exile target creature you control, then returns to the battlefield learns owner's control. Nice, cheap blink effect. Uh, very good with basically anything. It's good with Mold Drifter. It's good with, I mean, like literally anything. You name it, Ephemerate is good with it. It's just a nice cheap way to blink something twice. Next up, we have Felidar Guardian. Uh, as soon as I saw Blinky stuff, I knew that Felidar Guardian had to be in here. Uh, Felidar Guardian has actually some infinite blink loops with uh, a couple of cards. It has an infinite blink loop with Restoration Angel. It has an infinite blink loop with Fiend Hunter as well, which is actually the next card I'm going to talk about. Uh, but I, I suppose I should actually say what Felidar Guardian is. is three and a white, mat, three and a white, four mana total for a cat beast, uh, one four. And when it enters the battlefield, you get to blink another uh, permanent you control. And then Fiend Hunter is one white, white for a one three human cleric. When it enters the battlefield, you may exile another target creature. Uh, and then when Fiend Hunter leaves the battlefield, you return the exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Uh, 
So what happens is that you play Fiend Hunter, you exile something, doesn't matter what it is. Then you play Felidar Guardian, you blink Fiend Hunter. Fiend Hunter gets the uh, Felidar Guardian. Uh, I, I screwed that loop up somewhere, but it works, I promise. <clears throat> Actually, it might not work. I might have made that up. But whatever. You can figure it out. There's ways to abuse it. Uh, next up, we have Flicker Form, which is one and a white for an aura. Uh, you enchant a creature, and you can pay two and a white, two and two white to exile the enchanted creature and all auras attached to it, which includes Flicker Form. And then you bring them all back at the beginning of the next end step. Next up, we have Idol of Endurance, which is two and a white for an artifact. This is actually from M21, a pretty recent set. When it enters a battlefield, you exile all creatures with CMC three or less from your graveyard until uh, it leaves the battlefield. And then for one and a white and tapping it, you get to cast a single creature that was exiled with Idol of Endurance without paying its mana cost. So just a nice little way to get some recursion in this deck. There are a decent amount of cards that Idol of Endurance will hit, and they're all pretty good ones to have, especially things like Soul Herder. Next up, we have Idol of Oblivion. Uh, Idol of Oblivion is two mana for an artifact. Tap to draw a card if you created a token this turn, or you can pay eight, tap and sack it to make a 10-10 colorless Eldrazi creature token. You're going to be making tokens pretty frequently, which means that this is just pretty much a free extra card per turn. Next, we have Induced Amnesia. It's two and a blue for enchantment from Rivals of Ixalan. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, target player exiles all cards from their hand face down, then draws that many cards. So it's kind of like a one-player wheel of sorts. Uh, when Induced Amnesia is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you get to return the exiled cards to their owner's hand. Uh, what's unique about this with Hanar is that when you exile the cards from your hand, you get to make a 1-1 spirit, and you get to draw some fresh cards as well. Next up, we have Jubilant Sky Bonder. It's one white-blue hybrid, white-blue hybrid for a 2-2 human wizard with flying. Creatures you control with flying, including itself, have spells your opponents cast that target this creature cost two more to cast. So it basically turns all of your flyers into frost titans or... Um, some, the the other one that I'm forgetting that I, I'm sure James will remind me of later. Kira, the Great Glass Spinner. That's the one. Uh, next up, this is actually kind of a mutual include between me and James. This is Magus of the Moat because I jokingly said, hey, Moat would be pretty good in this deck. Obviously, oh, yeah, that's right. It's an $800 card or something like that. Yeah, and it's James totally said, within, the, within the budget. And then J James said, what about Magus of the Moat? And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that exists. <laughs> It's like a couple of bucks, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a little under a couple of bucks. It's a two white, white, same cost as moat for a zero three human wizard that says creatures without flying can't attack. Well, pretty good in this deck because you play mostly flyers and everybody else gets to cry about how they can't attack. Next up, we have Mangara of Corindor. One white, white for a one one human wizard. Tap, exile Mangara of Corindor and target permanent. Yes, that means even lands. Now, what's unique about this card, and they never did this again, is that the cost is to tap. Exiling Mangara is part of the resolution. So, you tap it. You say, I'm going to exile Mangara and whatever your target is. And then if you blink Mangara of Corindor before that ability resolves, you get to keep it. And you get to do that over and over and over. Now, I was wondering why this card was in your upgrade list because I didn't know you could do that. I always just I saw that as exile the creature as this like as the cost and not the resolution. Yeah, they never did this again so, for that reason. 
Because I can so... understand why. <laughs> but why is this card only 35 cents? Like, it's so cheap for what it does. I mean, granted, I know it's only in a very niche deck that wants to, like, flicker things. We only have a couple of those commanders that want to do it. But this is great. Like, you could just exile Lands. anything. Lands. Artifacts and shamans. Yep. It's, uh... Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty cool, and also if you decide that you don't want to blink it and you just want it to get exiled, you also get a 1-1 off of it with uh, Hanar. So it's kind of a win-win situation. I was trying to think if like you could be like, oh, could you go infinite with like the Peregrine Drake and everything with infinite mana and infinite flickers and stuff and be able to like exile your opponent's complete boards with this, but you would have to give it haste somehow, which, I mean, you could totally do that by... Just sliding the swift foot boots onto it when it comes back in, right? Yeah, but you would need the uh, you would need the uh, lightning greaves specifically because the equip is zero. But you have infinite mana. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could just with infinite mana with this, the swift foot boots, and like the combo that does it, you could just infinitely exile your uh, your opponent's boards. Uh yeah. Would also That's work disgusting. with uh, it. Would also work with a card that I just realized should probably be in this deck, but whatever. Um, Eldrazi Displacer. That yeah, card, I was. I actually Displacer. thought about that as we're talking about the flick stuff. I'm like, why isn't <laughs> Displacer in this deck either? Um, oh, actually, he returns it to play tap, so it wouldn't work with that. Shucks. Anyway, uh, moving on from Angara, uh, we already talked about Paragon Drake. Next, we have Primordial Mist, and this was actually like the first card I added, and I was shocked that it wasn't in here because it's so synergistic with the deck. Uh, at the be- it's in a four and a blue for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, you may manifest the top card of your library, which means that you take the top card of your library, you put it on your field face down, and it is a 2-2, colorless creature. Uh, you- and it has another activated ability to exile a face-down permanent you control face-up, meaning you have a face-down card on your field, you exile it, and you turn it face-up. Uh, you may play that card this turn. Doesn't matter what it is. You get to you get to play that card. So if it's a land, you get to play it. If it's a sorcery, you get to play it. The only thing is that it still observes timing restrictions. So you can't cast sorceries at instant speed. You can't play lands at instant speed and whatnot. And you still have to pay its costs. Now, what's cool about this is that it's kind of pseudo card draw, uh, but also it's free chump blockers because you get to block with it and then exile it. Um, and since you're exiling the cards from your field, you get to get one ones from Hanar. Even if it wasn't a creature to begin with, like if it if you manifested a sorcery, it's still a permanent while it is face down. So you're exiling a permanent, and that means that you get to make a one one with Hanar. So pretty cool card. Uh, I expect that this card would be pretty good in the deck. I, I'm curious to see how many people actually know of this card and decide to run it in here. Uh, next up, we have Reconnaissance Mission. It's two and two blue for an enchantment that says whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, uh, you may draw a card with Cycling for two, card from Ikoria. Um, just thought that the deck needed a little bit of more repetitive card draw. And finally, for my includes here, well, for the budget includes, we have Temet Vizier of Naktamun. A blue and a white for a human cleric 2-2. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature token you control gets plus one plus one till end of turn and cannot be blocked this turn. And has embalm for three, a white and a blue, which basically just means you pay that cost and you exile it from your graveyard to make a token that is a copy of it. Uh, except it is a white zombie in addition to its other types and colors. I'm sorry, 
It is just white, not in addition to its colors, but the, the types stack. Because then it would be white, white, blue. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be confusing. <laughs> so um, it just it just loses the blue and just becomes a white permanent. Yeah. So what's cool about this is that you do make a lot of like small tokens, but with Arcane Artisan, you're going to be making some big tokens. So like you can make your Acroma token if you happen to make one unblockable. You can make your Brago token if you make one unblockable. Just a nice way to get some uh, some chunky damage in there. And even if it's not chunky, uh, you know, the little damage adds up over time as well. And that's it for the uh, budget includes. But like James said, I actually did something a little different here, uh, which may or may not be a thing going forward. Depends on various factors. Uh, but I actually included a few cards that are not budget. And the reason is because the synergy was just astounding to me. Uh, and I just thought that it would be remiss of me to not at least mention it. So the well, cards... I mean, to be fair, uh, one of the cards in here should it sh- should just be in like the budget version, but because of its price, isn't. Um, it's super syn- synergistic. But then, like the other one you have on here as well, just got reprinted in a new set, so it was kind of that like, well, if you kind of had it laying around, I guess then maybe throw it in here. But if you don't have one, then don't feel like you have to have it in the deck. But yeah. I'll let you go and uh, read these cards now. I'm actually going to start with the one that James suggested that we both just like completely washed over until right before the episode started. And that is Skullclamp. Uh, you're making one ones. Uh, Skullclamp is six, seven bucks, depending on you know condition and whatever. Uh, it says equipped. It's a one mana for a equipment that says equipped creature gets plus one minus one. Whenever equipped creature dies, draw two cards and has a quip of one. Uh, obviously, if you're making one ones, then you kind of like skull clamp, so you get to cash those in for a couple free cards at a time. I couldn't believe when James mentioned it that we had both just completely blown over it. Yeah, I went. He makes one ones <laughs> and want to draw cards. Why not skull clamp? I went silent for like five minutes after that. I was like, that's going in. <laughs> Um, I also, I have to mention the fact that Dead Eye Navigator is pretty good here. I know a lot of people probably already know that the card is about seven to nine dollars, depending on condition and where you buy it. But, um, since I have talked about this before, I won't read through the whole thing, but I do have to mention it because it is obviously a very good blink, uh, card. Um, I'm actually going to save that one for last. I'm going to move on to Tatsumasa, the Dragon's Fang. You've probably never heard of this card, for good reason. It's not very good, but I think it's actually kind of cute in this deck. It's six mana for a legendary artifact equipment. Uh, Equipped creature gets plus five, plus five, and you can pay six mana and exile it from the game, the equipment, and you get to create a five-five blue dragon spirit creature token with flying. And when that token dies, specifically dies when it's put into a graveyard, uh, you get to return Tatsumasa, the equipment, to the battlefield again. So you just get to keep doing that. And since you are exiling a permanent from the battlefield, you also get to make a 1-1 with it for Hanar. You also have the option of just equipping it for 5 to Hanar, and suddenly Hanar is a flying vigilant 3-turn three, uh, three clock. So a nice little uh, versatile equipment that, though typically is not very good, I think here it actually might be decent. Especially if you can foretell it with... Uh, What's that thing's name? Ethereal Valkyrie. Now, finally, the card that inspired me to make this separate little list for non-budget. And by the way, Tatsumasa is about five bucks, depending on uh, certain factors that I mentioned already. Uh, The card that inspired me to make this list, uh, Scroll Rack. 
So Scroll Rack just came out or just got reprinted in Commander Legends. Two mana for an artifact. You could pay one, tap it, and exile any number of cards in your hand face down. Uh, you draw them, or I'm sorry, you put that many cards from the top of your library into your hand, and then you put the exiled cards back on top of your library in any order. Pretty good with Hanar. It's, it actually is Renar. I've been saying it wrong this whole time. That's fine, though. Um, pretty good with Renar because you're exiling cards from your hand, which means you get to make a 1-1, one, one, and you get to do that every turn with Scroll Rack. So you just get to keep making 1-1s one, over and over and over and over and over again. And, yeah, I just... I know that this card is expensive, so I thought I should just preface it by saying that, yes, this card is like 25 to $30, depending on various factors. Uh, but since it is reprinted and or since it was reprinted in a fairly recent set you may or may not have a copy lying around uh you might be interested in trading for one so i figured i would mention that it is pretty good with renar if you do plan on building this yeah it's one of those cards that is just gonna it's in the wild right now if you have access to one or maybe get one through commander legends packs or you have a friend who has a spare one or they've you know they just don't want to get rid of it just i'd pick it up because we're probably not going to see it reprinted anytime soon maybe I mean, this is like the first time it's been reprinted since Tempest. Um, it got reprinted in Commander's Arsenal, I think. Yeah, I under yeah, I I guess I just and, I really wasn't. I don't know if I was really like that was more like a. I don't actually know what that kind of set was. It was just like a like a like a boxed kind of gift yeah pack yeah thing, it, it was yeah like it was six a box cards thing. And, and then it got reprinted like a, as part of the list for Zendikar, and this is its next reprint. So this is the okay. most recent reprint. So don't listen to me when I say things have been reprinted because I obviously know <laughs> not as much as Paul. But I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, hard to call the there. list and a uh, reprint. boxed, limit, very limited print product reprints. This is yeah, I that's why I was like actual reprint. Oh, uh, that's why I was like I was kind of tossing it up to call them those reprints realistically, um, because like you know it went from Tempest to now Commander Legends, and Tempest was in 1997, and Commander Legends was 2020, so. Yeah, if you have access to a scroll rack, just grab one and pick it up. But that's it. That is every card that we decided to put in and some of the cards we decided to do, all the cards for the Phantom Premonition Precon deck from Kaldheim. Now, if you wanted to get at us and have a discussion about this deck, you can do that by checking out all of our socials in the show notes below. If you wanted to represent Commander at Arms, you can do that by clicking the link down below. We're going to have our shirts that have our logo on them. And we're also going to have a brand new hoodie that will be out at the time of this recording. So if you, it's getting cold where you are or you just want a hoodie because you love hoodies because I love hoodies, we're going to have a brand new Commander at Arms podcast hoodie line going live very soon. If you wanted to support the show directly, you can do that at patreon.com slash commander at arms. Uh, that's the best place where you can get extra content from us and check out all of our tier lists and everything. If you're going to be picking up any of these cards we've talked about, sealed product, singles, we have our TCG affiliate link that helps us and also helps local game stores. So for doing absolutely nothing and just buying cards, you're kind of throwing it, you're helping us out and you're also helping out local, local stores. And with this pandemic, all of the LGSs need as much help, help as they can. And that's it for me for this episode. Paul, do you have anything you wanted to say? Um, nothing in particular. Uh, this is our 40th episode. Woohoo! Yay! Uh, so uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you've been here for all 40, you are a trooper. 
uh, even if you've listened to just one, and it happens to be this one, ironically enough. Uh, thank you for your time. And uh, I really hope that I can encourage you to, you know, get in contact with us on, like, Twitter or email because, you know, we do love to hear from people. Um, and, yeah, we just like to be a part of the community when we can. Uh, we are fairly new to it, so it can be a little difficult to, you know, start talking to people. Yeah, and we're getting there. But just go and harass Paul on the on the Twitter about playing more magic. And uh, with that, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you've been listening to the newest episode of the Commander Arms podcast. Peace. See ya.